Good morning. We're getting everybody up here. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Yes. That well deserved. Well earned. Always, yes. Um, so I'm inviting folks up. If you get an invitation, you're not comfortable coming up, feel free to just stay down in the listening lounge. But we encourage everyone to come up and join the conversation as we learn from one another. And we'll start in just a moment. I have to say the weather is absolutely beautiful in L.A. this weekend. It's uh, really nice. It's that nice time of year where it's warm outside and not not excruciatingly hot, which will happen later. <laughs> It's 40 degrees in Portland <laughs> and sunny. Chilly, but hey, it's sunny. That's that's pro- that's something at least. I guess you stand in the sun while you're cold and shiver. We are already up to like 60. Yeah. It was cold this morning, but it's warming up fast. It's great out east. Like uh, we've got like three inches of fresh snow, 20, 30 mile an hour gusty winds. And I think the low is going to be 14 tonight. So I can't complain here. Yeah, I'm with you, Chuck. Same here. Sounds, uh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good morning, Mako. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, everyone. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's go. I'm ahead. eating. Okay. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and get started. This is the official Learning to Lead Clubhouse. We meet every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. And this is a, a forum that we created to really openly talk about all things leadership. That's challenges, achievements, and everything in between. And we have a, a pretty diverse variety of uh, leaders from all levels, as well as all backgrounds, experience, and perspectives that we can tap into. So whether you're an entry level or you're a seasoned executive, we're all here to share experiences and learn from one another and get some sage advice. So just a little bit of housekeeping. We encourage you to follow the clubhouse. And also there is a a little box down at the bottom. We encourage you to click on that box while you're in here if you're enjoying the conversation. Excuse me, I ran out of breath. If you're encouraging, if you're enjoying the conversation, if you just click on that, you can share this clubhouse with others and get the word out so others can can also benefit from the conversation. Also, we encourage you to follow others that are in the room. They can be a great um, uh, asset to your uh, expanding your network and being um, a source of uh, a resource to you. Um, let's see here. I'm going to invite people, invite people up to the stage. You don't have to feel obligated to do that. We, but the more, the merrier, the more who join the conversation, the more rich it is. Um, let's see. Also, uh, there's a kite at the bottom that allows you to, to, um, send us a message. And there's also now a new chat capability in the app on the left bottom corner. If you want to chat, uh, during the conversation. Um, Lastly, we encourage you to take advantage of our recaps. We summarize our conversations in LinkedIn and also on Substack along with the recordings. So you can listen to them later if you miss a session or if you want to share them with colleagues. So today's going to have be a great uh, topic. I think we'll learn a lot from it. I'm going to turn it over to Kelly. Take it away. Thank you. And, um, you know, part of the recaps that, that Tamara hit on will include audio replays. So if there's folks that you know what might enjoy um, or benefit from this conversation, you can always uh, share our recaps, which will have a link um, as well as the audio playback available um, on our website. So with that, I always like to remind everyone that before we get into our discussion, and even for those that might listen to the replay, uh, reflection is really important. It's a really important part of our our leadership journey and and a great practice in general, which is just to check in with yourself and see how things are going. And this can be something that you can do um, daily for yourself and part of a, I'm a big fan of a journaling practice, but also 
you know, one of the opportunities that we have in spending one hour of our weekend together is doing a check-in on what our last week was and how do we kind of wrap that up with one word really encapsulating the theme of your week. And so I'm going to round table with everyone. If you want to pass, I'm not sure your word for, for some reason, that's fine as well. But I always love to hear what everyone is up to and how their week has gone. Um, I find it very interesting and, and um, reflective for myself. And then hopefully, you know, keep track of it as we go through this, as you kind of go through your own journey, if you can create this practice, you know, see how things are going and and see how your timeline may shift and how the themes may shift over time. Sometimes it's so powerful to do that because things change rapidly. And in the moment we can feel like this is, we have blinders on and we're very tunnel vision. But once we step back and look at a period of even a month, um, maybe even a year can really be reflected to show us what we were going through and how we came out of parts that might've been challenging and had moments that were really exciting and rewarding. So again, I, I recommend for everyone to, to make this a practice. And even just if you use this forum to do it, keep track of those words that, that wrap up your week. So with that, I'm going to start with Chuck. Good morning. What is your word for the week? Hey, good morning. Um, you know, I, I think excited, you know, it was a good week in the sense of um, things are falling into place in my new role. Um, the steep learning curve feels like it's the slope is gradually decreasing a little bit. Um, and then, you know, we're making some good progress on our personal move um, back to the Midwest. So um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good things going on. That's, ex that's a lot going on. Yeah. Whenever you're moving, that's, that's a whole other <laughs> yeah. level. Of yeah. Exciting, equal with like very tiring. It's a very big yeah, process. yeah. I hesitated with exciting, but it's that was the the yeah. There's a, the flip <laughs> side of that too. <laughs> gotta you gotta work through it, but that's great. Uh -huh. Good luck on the move. I know those are those Thank are big, you. but it still is exciting that once you land and you're settled, then it's a, a new a new chapter. And Marita, good morning. Good morning. Um, my word for the week is ecstatic. I. Um, this was my first week in my new role and uh, it feels great because I was interim in the same role for seven months and thankfully, you know, the job got posted, I applied, went through the whole arduous process and finally went through. Um, so it was, I don't know, it feels like as if the floodgates opened this week. Uh, I have 11 members in my team in three different countries. Uh, but I don't know, it feels also surreal also. Um, and, and then saying goodbye to my previous role, which was another role that I was also doing along with this. Um, I don't know, but this week was like, just, just so exciting for me. I, I have no words to describe actually other than this. Wow. That's that great. Exciting stuff. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Absolutely. Tamson, good morning. Good morning, Kelly. I'm going to go with refocused. I mean, I could have had a word for the day for every day of the week and probably multiple within days this week. It's been that kind of roller coaster, but refocus is where I'm at. I think we can all relate with those moments as well as that continual refocusing. Gary, good morning. Good morning. I think my word is energized. Uh, spent this week prepping for a reorg next week, and I'm getting some new responsibilities that are, are really something that energizes me. So energized. Oh, happy to hear that. I'm sure we'll hear more about that that journey. But that's that's a great position to be in, where you're able to be a part of the change and excited about the changes that are happening as you expand. So congratulations, Mako. Good morning. Hey. I'm about the coffee. You're, that's the only word I got. Coffee this week. is your word. Coffee. Hey, that's a solid word. I could go with coffee probably every day as my word. So I can relate. I don't even drink coffee and I want coffee right now. <laughs> that's a new level of a new level of need for coffee. Melissa, good morning. Welcome. Hi, good morning. Uh Kelly, I think this week I'm gonna have to say disappointed, uh, especially because of the say no gay bill here in Florida how many people has been affected. So trying to figure out how to, as a leader, how to help those people who have been affected by that. Melissa, such an important point to, to bring up. And I, I think I can definitely relate. Um, it, it was a very challenging, challenging week, to say the least. And it's one of those moments that challenges us 
both personally and professionally about how we show up in those moments and to your point, how we support others. Um, but definitely a, a lot that was going on that was really, truly disappointing. So I can totally relate with that as well. Thank you for sharing that. Chad, good morning. Good morning. I don't have a word. Can I steal coffee? I liked that one. Hey, you know, sometimes we have those weeks where it's just, you know, we got nothing right now and it's coffee. <laughs> Understand. Tamra. Um, this was a real busy week, but yet very productive. So I feel like I got accomplished enough, but yet, uh, you know, it was, there was a lot going on, but we, I got through it. Absolutely can relate with that. I think if I, if I round this out, I think that my, my word of the, the week would probably be demanding. Um, there was a lot going on. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot happening in the world. And I think, you know, Melissa hitting on, you know, the Florida legislation was really, really challenging. I think it was a demanding week, both as, you know, an individual just in the world watching what's going on and, and struggling to figure out what your role is in trying to help enact change, challenging to figure, demanding to figure out from a leader how you show up for others, both within your team, within your larger organization. And then I'm working on some really demanding work right now, which is, is exciting in a lot of ways, but it's very mentally demanding. Um, it's very challenging work right now. So it was a week where I definitely feel like I am in, I am enjoying uh, coffee uh, was a daily, but definitely today I'm enjoying a, some room to, to rest, to unplug uh, and to reflect both individually and, and prepare for the next week. So it was a, it was a demanding, a demanding week, but we, we made it. Here we are. Hey, hey, Kelly, can I throw in a quote? Sure. I think. Yeah. I don't, I like quotes. You know, it's, you know, it's just tough, right? Like there's a lot going on in the world right now. I try to, I try to personally deal with it by like thinking about things that are in my control and then, just, you know, that are not in my control and all that. But I came across this a quote this week from Vonnegut that I really, really like that I, I'm putting front and center for trying to, to think about things. And it's, I urge you to please notice when you're happy and exclaim or murmur or think at some point, if this isn't nice, I don't know what is. And I, I just, I really like that this week because it grounded me on just thinking to be happy about things that are certainly in my control and kind of let go of things that are not. Powerful. That's great. I love it. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I love that one. And I'm with you. I love, I love when you stumble across a quote that really resonates as a good reminder for, you know, again, we talk a lot about gratitude practices, but understanding in these moments and I think you hit it right. What what we have control over and what we don't, um, and sometimes those small reminders are really powerful because it allows us to then continue moving forward um, in really difficult times. So with that, I do want to kick off that you know coming out of our conversation, you know, last week we're going to shift gears a little bit into the discussion for today, um, which is you know we we had a pretty um, robust conversation last week on pace setting as a leadership style, which was. I think great, right? It's all about learning and having having those discussions, learning from each other, challenging, um, you know, some of the information that's out there. And what we really wanted to do today is continue this series really around a deep dive and exploring the different types of leadership styles. We talked about them at a high level, and I'll, I'll share a link again in this recap this week, but I shared it last week, which is we talked at a high level about the types of leadership styles, but we find that sometimes going into them more in depth can really challenge some of our our expectations around both the advantages of a specific leadership style, but also the disadvantages. Because I think one of the things that came out last week is, you know, there can be some controversial leadership styles, but there, the reality is every single leadership style has, a, has an advantage and disadvantage. So it is about understanding them in depth so that you can flex in a moment in time and leverage specific styles when it suits the need of the team and in supporting your team. So today, um, we are actually gonna go into a little bit lighter one than pace setting. We were going to potentially do commanding, but that's a heavier one. So we're gonna do that one next week. And instead, we're gonna talk about democratic leadership style. And this is one that I think is probably pretty common in a lot of folks' minds about what they maybe gravitate towards, a leadership style they may respect more or may leverage more. Um, and so it's an interesting one to kind of start with and again, for the discussion today, for the 45 minutes that we will be together, we really want to spend a minute just defining what is this leadership style and then understand 
you know, how do you use this and when does it work and when does it not work? And what are some of the challenges you may need to be prepared for in using this kind of a leadership style? And happy to kind of go through examples as well, but love to hear from this group, you know, some of your experiences or reactions to considering the democratic leadership style. And so when we think about the definition to kind of kick off there, and then I, I do want to open it to the floor, I'd love to hear you know, what you, what you think of when you think of a democratic leadership style and do you use this as a style? But just as a baseline, a democratic leader is really about when the team is empowered to take part in decision-making. This is really about gathering ideas and suggestions that are being brought forward by team members. It's about striving for consensus in decision-making. And it's really about the leader facilitating all of those voices and opinions and insights coming together. And one of the considerations here is that it can be a very inclusive leadership style, but on the flip side, it can also slow us down a little bit because now we're, we're, we're taking the time to have a lot of conversations and that might be really important. So again, as we think about flexing, it's really important to know when to use a style and when not to. And I think when we, when we think about dem democratic styles, right, we think about, again, bringing teams together and, you know, I definitely as a leader resonate with this style because I really believe in the value of surrounding yourself with individuals who have a different perspective sometimes because it's really important for us to challenge our thinking so we don't get, you know, in a bubble where we're really only surrounding ourselves with people that think the same way that we do. That really stifles, I think, growth and innovation and professional growth for everyone involved as well. Um, I think what's important here too, and, and very much in line with what I just said, when a democratic leader is in place, they really look at their team as equals and they encourage them to participate. But this isn't about the leader is the only voice, but it is about everyone contributing and creating the space for that and having uh, discussions, asking questions. And that team is really empowered to make decisions. And that I think is a really important distinction with this leadership style. So I'm gonna pause there. I would definitely love to hear what you all think of when you think of a democratic leadership style, you know, and what some of your reactions are when you think about this style, both in your, your journey, maybe what you've experienced, or what may or may not resonate when you think about this kind of high level definition. I think for, for me, um, I, um, I feel that my my style has been mostly democratic, like for like most of the times, I would say eighty percent of the times. Um, I feel that one of the best advantages it has is when it comes to championing voices in the same team, where there are people who don't speak, people who do speak a lot, and there are dominant personalities. I think uh, in those scenarios, this is especially useful, so that everyone gets a fair chance. The other part is also um, like my this current week, and I I I completely agree that it does it require a lot of time. Uh, for example, business goals. We know what the goals are for the quarter, but in order for the team to realize the importance and actually march towards it, and you know come up with their own ways of meeting those goals. Um, I I have a meeting just next week for goal setting. So, so just so the team is empowered to make uh, those type of decisions, uh, not, not, not for the higher level goals, but at least the goals that um, they resonate with and they know they can do it or they need help with, so just so that we can have an open discussion, which kind of sets us more towards success. Um, knowing, knowing and, you know, talking with the team what's achievable in a very realistic way. Um, I would have to say I do prep, although before such discussions, so that I have my own opinions or, or I said the direction for myself, um, you know, what is the outcome I, you know, uh, that is intended and what are the key indicators that we do need out of the team that, that I want the team to derive and conclude. Um, I do get, I do go in with that kind of preparation that I obviously don't convey much but uh, when the team arrives at the same point it's it's such an amazing thing uh, to happen and uh, there there's less 
you know, pulling and tagging of, you know, hey, we have to do this. And there's less kind of debate around like, you know, why mine doesn't match as yours or that sort of thing. Yeah, thank you, Amrina. I think that's a really a couple of things you hit on that I think are really, really important, which is, you know, even the what you hit on last there is really important when you think about effectively using this style, because um, we know that as leaders, we're always navigating, you know, kind of this overkill on, on the number of meetings. It's a really it's a natural thing that happens, especially in big organizations where we kind of get into just the meeting cycle and all we're doing is having meetings and nothing can move forward without a meeting. But I think what you're hitting on is really important when we want to enact a democratic leadership style that is about bringing people together. And I think one of the points you hit on as well, ensuring that we're including everyone in those discussions, even if it's the maybe more quiet um, team member that we're kind of involving them and giving them the opportunity to share their voice. It's also going in with clarity on what the goals are and ensuring that you know, democratic leadership style doesn't mean we just go in and it's a free for all. We have to go in with the intention of a, a clear outcome that we're going for, KPIs we're trying to drive, or what the intention of this discussion really is and staying true to that. So even as we're involving you know, every team member in a discussion, that's where the facilitation is really important to ensure that we, we do focus on an, an outcome and a decision at the end of that, the end of that meeting, that discussion, which I think can be, again, part of the, one of the ways that we can kind of help make sure that the speed doesn't really slow down to a halt where we're just in this kind of analysis paralysis moment of continued conversations over and over again. And I think one of the things going back to your point on championing voices and making sure that everyone in your team is involved, I think democratic leadership style is a really powerful way of training and training individuals at all levels of your organization, what it takes to make decisions, what it means to go through this process, what it means to have dialogues, listen to insights, challenge your thinking, um, change your mind. These are all really important practices that if we don't bring in um, voices and we don't involve them in that process, it can be really hard to learn that. And so I think democratic leadership really is one of the styles that, that can also help invest and train in your future leaders on your team. I'm curious to know if anyone's, you know, it's, it, what come, comes to my mind before I ask that question, what comes to my mind uh, when I think about democratic leadership is, uh, I don't know how many of you have ever been involved in lean and uh, the process of lean and bringing people together. It's uh, for me uh, in many situations, it's kind of frustrating because they, it, it's so, it, it's so scoped for scope, scope for focused. And if you start to vary, veer off of the scope of the, what you're looking at, the problem you're looking at can be a little bit frustrating, but um, I think that uh, there's a real finesse in, in true effective democratic leadership. You know, you have to, as a leader, number one, know you have the key stakeholders in the room. Um, at times that I've used, do use this say with strategic, with strategy groups or some type of a, a group that I'm working with for on process improvement. Um, it, coming in with a real clear, uh, message, as you said, Kelly, but, uh, you know, what is the objective? Why are we here? Kind of getting the team really highly focused so that they're not, they don't go off on, you know, these, these rants or, or something of that nature. And the, uh, it's understanding and prioritizing the ideas too, as a leader, to be able to know that you're going to get good ideas and you're going to get some that maybe you're going to, you know, say that that might be for a later time, or maybe that's irrelevant to the situation and, and being able to synthesize this inf the information that you're being, that's being shared um, and to be able to keep the, the, the group focused. And um, I would say uh, that, that it, the value for me in democratic leadership or in general is that, you know, by having people come to the table and talk about this, you're going to hear new ideas, you're going to hear new perspectives, you're going to hear things that you may not have even thought about. And in addition to that, as a leader, it's really important also to ask the questions about the barriers. If there's if there's key barriers going on, you're struggling in some area to hit the KPI on something, it's really a great way to get a different perspective on what's going on from the, the team members' perspective. So you might have a vendor who you're getting bad feedback on and you bring that forward to your team to find out what are they hearing? What is their experience? 
can help to give a lot of intel to the leader about how to move forward. So there's a lot of benefits that I've seen both in my own personal experience, but also in how I would, would actually execute with uh, democratic leadership. Yeah, I think yeah, I would okay. I'll go for a check. Well, I was just to say a couple things resonated with me from both what, what um, you, Kelly, and, and Tamara were saying. Um, in that, you know, with democratic leadership, I think when you look at, you know, pushing down the um, responsibility of decision-making or including others in decision-making down, you know, to the, um, um, to the, um, uh, to the engineers, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought, um, so I'll come back to it. Were you, were you going to talk about buy-in? Were you going to talk about buy-in or something like that? Yeah, I think. So. Oh well. Oh no, I know what I was going to um, touch on was you know the leaders the leaders role um, because yeah you, you are kind of worried about whether or not you know this is going to slow things down, um, but the leader you know I feel like the leader's role is to to essentially build out the the environment or system the processes to you know, enable things to flow smoothly within this style of leadership, um, you know, helping to, um, I think, you know, touched on training, you know, competency, um, providing clarity, boundaries, um, you know, strategic, you know, direction and information from senior leadership down to the team. So they know, like, we're heading in this direction, but we have the flexibility to make decisions within a certain, you know, amount of space. So um, and it, it, that was one of the things I sort of picked up, I think, you know, I think one of the, the best examples or stories around this is David Marquet's book, Turn the Ship Around. And the one thing that stuck with me was like, what decisions was he making? And it was about setting up the environment on the ship to make what he wanted to do successful. And that was not to give any orders. Yeah, you know, the the thing that I'm trying to noodle around is... I like the idea of defining the highway, but having high guardrails, you know, because like, you know, I think as a leader, you need to sort of set some, some strategic direction. And I guess the thing that I'm, I'm struggling with is in a, you know, in a democracy, sometimes it takes time to reach consensuses or, you know, is there uh, a buildup of procrastination in trying to reach that consensus? I guess that's, that's the part I'm trying to, to, to rationalize in my head. Has there been an example of where you've actually tried this, uh, Mako, where you've tried your democratic style? No, because every time I do, it ends up in being like consensus building and terrible decisioning. So, so from my point of view, uh, Mako, I mean, uh, that makes a lot of sense. But uh, as a leader, what I like to do is that if I see my team is derailing and they're looking into a different idea, I'll try to bring them back because, I mean, it's pretty easy between uh, uh, individual contributor for them to start looking at things out of the, out of what you want them to look at. So I mean, just having having comments or having ideas to bring them back into what they need to be going into. I mean, that that's what I normally do if I see they're taking a lot of time. Oh, I totally, I totally, I totally agree with. I mean, again, again, I'm not saying dictatorship is the right is the right path. I think you you actually need to be able to have an environment where you can have safe discussions and you know, have all the ideas, but, you know, I think sometimes when you have all the ideas and trying to, to build along a team without those guardrails in place and sort of like the direction, it can, it can just kind of go all over the, I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying though. I, I'm, I'm not trying to say like, Oh, it's cause I last week's call, like I was like, no, but you know, and so I don't know. Maybe it's not, I'm not cut out for leadership. I don't know. I need. <laughs> well, what, you know, we what know that's not though. true. It's, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe the coffee part is true. I don't know. But um, it's the reality, again, what you're hitting on, Mika, which is really important, is that, again, it reinforces that there isn't a one-size-fits-all leadership style. That many at times, as we are learning what our style is as a leader, and it will evolve and change, is that it's flex. And there's times when there's times when, you know, democratic leadership makes a lot of sense, you know, and when you think about a time where you do need to gather a lot of voices, and you do want a lot of people involved, and you want your team to be very involved, there's a time and a place for that. Sometimes 
a different style might be required when you need to move faster because we do know that this style again that is one of the risks it can slow the process down and when you're in a situation where we have to move quickly this may not be the style to lean on because it can it can get there i think the other risk that i would bring up with this style is um sometimes if a leader stays in democratic the democratic leadership style too long then it can start to create resentment or challenges within a team. And I don't know if you all have ever had this where a leader is kind of, you know, creating this culture that is is really about democratic and that sounds great, but then if there's any disagreements that are happening within a team and there's misalignment or, you know, teams don't agree with an approach, the leader needs to step in. And I've definitely seen situations where a leader has not stepped in and it creates a lot of turmoil in the team and it can really be detrimental to the culture as well as slowing everything down. So I think, you know, understanding the risks of it will really help us understand when to use this style. Because I think there's, we often focus, especially on a democratic leadership style, where it can be really beneficial because it sounds great, right? Include everyone, everyone, everyone has a voice, everyone's contributing to the decision, that all sounds wonderful, but when do you use that versus when can that also flip to the other side where you lean too heavily um, and then you're starting to, you know, lead by committee because that's a very slippery slope to get into where now all we do is make decisions by committee and we're sitting in meetings all the time debating. So, you know, that's one of the things that comes up for me as much as I like this style, a lot of components of this style, that's where I've definitely seen it become a challenge. I, I agree with you, uh, Kelly, and I I also experienced those things, Mako, uh, in the initial I think a month actually, uh, or when a new set of uh, people from a, a different region were joining or joined the team, I and several other reasons. Um, I I think it, this leadership style cannot go at certain times just on its own, uh, only because there could be so many dynamics uh, that are at play whether it's gender dynamics, whether it's something else. I I have experienced that along with this, you like I had to use some some other styles also in a way just, just to arrive at a decision when there is no consensus or just, you know, um, try out something like, okay, let's try this and see how it goes. Uh, let's try this for the next two weeks and let's regroup. Uh, when we do have uh maybe an option to wait for some time uh, i don't know we it's also something that happens on the fly but i have experienced that for sure uh i'm i'm and um i think there's another disadvantage of this also that i have noticed which is if um and this is just pertaining to my experience uh i have seen that if it's a female leader Unfortunately, uh, this gets also taken as, oh, it's, uh, you know, she's probably a weak leader, which is why she's doing this in a very democratic way. Or I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I got that perception a couple of times, uh, not with me, but uh, when I was part of a different team and I heard um, and I had a female leader once and I heard that. So I, I, I realized that was her style, but it also made us very effective in, in, in certain situations. So I don't know, I, I, I get that as well. That's a really interesting point. Thanks for sharing that, Amrita, because I think what you're hitting on too is really important as, as we think about leaders, right, is you know, how we are effective in this style without being perceived as being indecisive. Right, because that's that is the risk of this is that, you know, again, if it's if it always is perceived that, well, I leave it to my team to decide what to do, um, then it can be okay. Well, we need you to help us with a decision, and if you're not leaning in at those times, then it can be seen as a weakness or that you're indecisive, that you're not actually leading your team. But I think it's a line to walk that it's you know making sure that we're involved when we need to, and that we are, you know, maybe just you know casting a deciding vote or again, being present and facilitating the conversations and guiding guiding our team to these decision-making processes that, that's really important um, as we go through this. 
Yeah, well, and I think that it's 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 all the finesse in using it. And and Amrit, you really you really hit on something very important, which is you're gonna you're gonna probably be vacillating between various different uh, leadership styles. You know, during the process of a democratic approach, you're not gonna just sit in one. You know, typically as leaders, we we move between various different leadership styles depending on what what's the situation is who the team member is, what the project is. Um, but I also want to say that democratic uh, leadership is is really effective in a corporate environment with with uh, professionals or, or, or people who are highly experienced and, and knowledgeable because they're going to be more receptive to that. You're going to have better buy-in and you're going to really want to promote creativity and, and, and innovation. And, and I just think it's really, really critical that you are able to um, engage people as much as possible. I think that's kind of the, the way that we, we lead in general is, is involving our team, sort of empowering our team, supporting our team. We've talked about that a lot in this forum. Um, I think the finesse comes from being a really good facilitator, you know, keeping people on point, being able to synthesize the ideas and, and fair, you know, ferret out what's, what's realistic, what applies to what we're trying to solve and getting, you know, putting the other stuff aside. Um, it's also about knowing the expertise of your team, bringing the right stakeholders to the table, bringing the right people who have the experience and the knowledge and, and have the perspectives. I think the downside, as, as it has been mentioned, is, you know, making sure that you are uh, also not just like maybe paying attention to these three people over here and ignoring the two on the side because that can uh, make people feel resentful. Um, and, and again, relying on consensus from people can really slow things down. But again, if you're vacillating or moving between several different leadership styles, you can be very effective in this in this particular uh, this this particular leadership style. And there's a lot the traits of a democratic leader, effective democratic leader is is they're very confident and pragmatic, and they're risk takers, and and they're equalitarian and fair minded, and they're team oriented and they're highly rational. They're very powerful people. You, know, you stand in your confidence and you stand in your in your knowledge and your ability to communicate effectively. A lot can be accomplished. And and it's it's used, uh, I think, more frequently than not in most corporate settings. And even in a setting like uh, here on Clubhouse, I think when you have good moderators, they're doing that great facilitation. You know, you all do a fantastic job and you're kind of doing it right now or you're trying to be very inclusive and try to tease out folks to talk a little bit more and to, to make sure that they're, you, you are leading this group literally with this style right now, which is very cool. Thank you, Chad. We appreciate that. And, and really, it, for us, it really is all about uh, learning from each other. And this is, this is what this forum was created for. So I really appreciate that. Who else has uh, something? Uh, I was going to say, I view this as my group therapy. We'll send you our bill. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Courtney, I'm curious to hear, do you have any idea, any, any uh, insight around democratic leadership? Um, a little bit. I've just been kind of listening and, you know, I think, you know, one thing that, that I've said uh, before is like, I really do believe that words matter. And the language that gets used matters. And, you know, when you say democratic, it implies democracy, which implies we're going to vote and that's going to be the decision making criteria or the decision making uh, method. I really liked, you know, where Chuck was going around, you know, always leading with intent and just making sure you're clear on that. But I think you've got to be prepared to flex your style, which many of you have already said. And just make sure it doesn't, uh, and Kelly, you used words I was going to use, you know, the slippery slope of, of turning that into something that implies consensus as the only decision-making model, which I, I don't think is what we're saying. Um, I also believe, although I'd need to refresh my memory, I think there's some, uh, in the Team of Teams, that book, some of what uh, Mako was talking about around establishing guardrails like these are decisions that can be made locally when they have these guardrails and then kind of guardrails for escalation and framing around that which i just think is a really interesting model to follow as well 
Yeah, um, you mentioned team of teams and that, um, you know, something else from that book that I, that I, we had in, in my last role a little bit um, that I think is sort of relevant to this conversation and, and making decisions and not constantly like having the team kind of going through and contemplating them or trying to drive for a consensus. But we had a lot of cross collaborative conversations and that's, you know, that was one thing they did in that book team of teams where they talked about how they intermixed people from different functions of different various teams to work together and they could see you know, like the bigger picture. They could see more interdependencies. Um, and, and I think, you know, sometimes also when, it, at least from my perspective, I'm thinking about pushing decision-making down, you know, to where the, we have the technical expertise it's not always consensus driven, um, but the expectations are that that people in senior roles are are taking a leadership perspective in that in that capacity, and they're helping to drive those conversations and to talk to the teams as well to explain to them, you know, different perspectives or why we should take this you know particular path. Um, so I think a lot of those like cross collaborative conversations, having your technical leadership. Um, driving a lot of those conversations, defining the problem statements, what they're trying to solve, and bringing people together, and having a lot of a lot of those kind of meaningful conversations versus a lot of meetings about the status reports and things that you can kind of just you know put up on a SharePoint somewhere. Um, I think that helps create that speed that you're looking for. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Chuck. And I I think you know as we as we end kind of come into our last 15 minutes here, I think you know, both what, you know, Courtney, you were speaking to and Chuck, what you just hit on, you know, when do you use this style? Uh, you know, it kind of resonated with me, which is, I love the idea that, you know, again, that Mika, you said earlier about, you know, the the highway and the guardrails. I think it's a really great way of, of creating a space to leverage this kind of a style without it just being a free-for-all, where it could become quite aimless and, and um, not constructive. I think what you were hitting on, Chuck, what, what resonated with me as well is this idea of, with this style, um, this is going to be a really great way of repositioning that everyone's voice matters. And I think quite frequently, depending on what you do, you know, I, I work in, in technology and development, and I find that it's really powerful to ensure that everyone that's contributing to a product feels valued. And that means that my engineering leads feel like their voice is valued. My QA lead and my designer and my product managers and the project managers are all feeling that they are on equal footing with each other to have a conversation about innovation opportunities or where we should be going or how we should solve something or a solution that we should find versus it feeling like any one team is more important than the other. And it's a really powerful time to use this style, especially when you're forming teams. I also think in times of, of very, um, large scale change, be it organizationally, again, or in, in team structures or with projects, I think this is a great style. And I have found that when I have been through reorgs, or maybe I have new teams that have moved within my org and that now kind of a new leadership responsibility, it's been really powerful for me to lean into this style so that everyone feels that although they're going through changes, they are valued and their voice is valued and their perspective is valued. And it can be, I think, a really powerful way, again, of, of helping form successful teams, as well as then when you kind of, you know, flex this style for moving forward into kind of go forward, um, go forward management of products. But it's, I think it's really important in those moments of change to bring everyone to the table and have them feel like they are a part of the group. And I think it's a really powerful moment to leverage this style. So Kelly, can I ask you something? Because I, I feel like based on what you're describing and kind of that, that uh, you know, all of the actions that you're outlining, to me, demonstrate inclusive leadership, which is, you know, I think super critical and very important. I think what I keep, what I'm getting a little hung up on it, and maybe I just need to let it go, is you know, inclusive leadership to me is what you're describing. It's like, I'm going to take points of view from as many different, uh, you know, perspectives as possible so we can make the best decision. Whereas, and I, and I read the definition on Google around democratic leadership and I, I, it sounds similar, but to me, I just worry that it goes to, we're going to vote 
And then people start to get wound up on like, well, wait a minute. I thought this was a democracy. I thought we were going to all like vote on this versus no, I'm an inclusive leader. I took the points of view. We're going to make the best informed decision, but this isn't about like who thinks, you know, like which idea gets the most votes. You know, you know, one, one thing I'm kind of, I agree with you, Courtney. I mean, the thing like all the vote. Yeah. It's, it's just tough. Right. Like as a leader, I mean, I think the thing I like personally doing, and I don't know if it's democratic leadership, inclusive leader, whatever, but it's like, we know where we're going. Like we, we have a destination, right? We can see it on the horizon. You know, how we get to that point, you know, we should have all, you know, all the different opinions there. If, this, if the team kind of views off course, then you course correct. You know, you want to, you know, there, there are always different ideas how to get to the destination. But like, it's, I just, I, 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 I don't know. I'm, that's, I guess, where I'm having my, my, I need more coffee. I don't know. I need, it's been a <laughs> yeah, no, week. I mean, it's, it's both really, it's really good points. And I think, you know, again, I think that, you know, sometimes when we think about leadership, and this is where I think about it, right? Is there's the very like literal black and white component of it. I definitely put a lot of inclusive leadership into a democratic style personally, when I, when I think about it, because I think it is about, about including voices and perspectives. And I do think that when successfully leveraged that you do allow the team to go through the dynamic of potentially debating different points of views. And I think that can be uncomfortable quite frequently, especially for our teams. But I think it's a really important important step, number one, to that point I was hitting before about team forming, that we have to be comfortable having honest conversations with each other and disagreeing. That's what makes, I think, a really successful team at times and working through that to get to consensus. We as a leader have to step in if that consensus is not being reached. Right. That's when we have to potentially shift into a role where we're we're actually now, you know, making the decision. But I think when 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 I think about democratic leadership, I do include a lot of inclusive leadership in that. And I do think it is about creating, you know, forums and places for teams to to debate and to come to a consensus in hopes that you don't have to step in and make the final decision that they can actually get there. And that means that you're also you know, working with leaders that, that can go through that process and, and are experienced and are going to learn a lot in that process. But that's, that's again, the flip side of this. But they're going to, you know, experience leaders that know how to go through this and make a decision collectively. And again, I've, I've been in many teams and I've worked with Mako at times where I've been in many teams where, you know, we all did this regularly, where we would, you know, talk about approaches or we'd work together to figure something out. And it wasn't about our leader ultimately telling us the approach. It was about us figuring it out with our expertise. And and I think that very much lends towards uh, a democratic style. I think of a time when I uh, was, we, I was part of a, a large group that we were opening a new hospital, you know, and that, and we had to get stakeholders. We had a very, 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 very large group uh, working on all the logistics of opening a new hospital. And uh, we needed a lot of input on it, but we also had to be very heavily focused on executing, making decisions. What do we need to do? Right. We can't just spend all day long talking about it. There was a lot of discussion, but that would be an example that I was involved in where, you know, there was definitely there was definitely inclusivity for sure. Absolutely. But there was a lot of democratic leadership. And and again, I think the the moving between the different leadership styles happens in those settings, but the democratic was critical in this in the situation because we really needed the the input from the stakeholders, and we needed to be we needed people to help point out like things that we may not be thinking of or the barriers or the possible pitfalls or risks that we might not be addressing. And so I hope that's a helpful example of where we use some democratic leadership. Um, I tend to unconsciously consider this during hiring, um, as in, if this person is bringing in diversity and thought within the team, meaning um, I don't want, I don't for some reason want everyone in the team thinking the same way. For me, diversity and thought is so cr- critical, uh, especially at times when we when we do have to make a critical decision as a team. I I feel that diversity in thought not just 
I mean, it, it definitely fuels innovation when not everyone is thinking the same way. Uh, and at the same time, when it comes to hiring, I feel like, am I building an A-star team or like an all-star team or am, am I building a, a team of all-stars? So I think um, there, there's a difference and I think uh, it also plays into hiring for me personally, unconsciously, as I just realized that this is one thing that I do think about the candidate, like in, in the event or in the setting of a, of a team decision-making type of session, what is this person bringing value to the team? Something that, that we lack or we don't have um, anyways. Excellent example. Okay, other thoughts? Anybody have any other examples? I mean, can you think of democratic leaders that you've, that you've uh, heard about? Or have you heard about companies who've maybe, I think of Southwest, you know, they, uh, Got, got all their employees together and they made decisions about how they were going to change the way they ran their, their, their company. Is there any other ideas anyone can think of? If not, I'm really looking for more suggestions for espresso beans. Cause I really like the groundwork uh, beans, but if anyone has any other good uh, suggestions for good espresso beans, I'm all ears. I'll send you a link to a place that's here, but I know they, they run a coffee subscription. Well, you know, I just got Joshua Tree beans last week. Burroughs actually sent me a bag and it was awesome. But yeah, I'm they always, have good coffee. I, I am really I'm really looking for new beans. So that's that's my major focus right now. <laughs> this is an I example will, of derailment. I will Kelly say, Kelly will tell you I, I am the master of derailment. <laughs> I, my, my brain is going in 150 different directions at once. So. I will say as we, as we get, you know, close to closing here, one of the things that I think is always really interesting and we'll include this in the recap is when you talk about these styles and, and Tamara hit on a few of them, when you talk about these styles, sometimes it can sound kind of elusive at times, or even when, especially when we get to maybe the more challenging ones like pace setting, right? Where you're like, who would do that? What kind of person's doing that? Right. And, um, I think with this one, sometimes even looking at a list of people who are commonly um, described as this is their leadership style. So a few, you know, and it probably won't be shocking, but if I list out a couple names and I'll kind of list out a couple companies that really I identify that are kind of identified when we do evaluations of this leadership style, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Dwight D. Eisenhower, uh, JFK, Jimmy Carter, these are all examples of leaders, obviously very much in like a presidential big leadership styles, but they were known for being very democratic in their style in the way that they communicated and the way that they involved others in their decision making. Um, you know, even JFK, right? Super charismatic, kind of known for that. But, you know, it's it's partially looking at this. And I'm, I'm sure if you were to spend any amount of time Googling any one of these leaders, you might find where they leaned toward democratic and then very much this conversation where that didn't work so well for them at times as well. So I think it's always interesting to ground these conversations in, in the examples of leaders. And, and it's interesting, you know, even looking at companies, some of the companies that come up that have, you know, definitely a mix, but have also been able to kind of identify within the space as far as principles is Google, Genentech, the Mayo Clinic, Amazon.com, right? And and we all know, like, there's a lot of discussion that's happened and articles that have been written around Jeff Bezos' style. And I think his style is really interesting when you think about, Mako, what you brought up about, you know, the highway and the guardrails, right? Because there's some very specific structures that are put in place around how meetings occur and how many people and what are the objectives and having outcomes and coming in prepared that create structure so that when we are involving others in in this more of this style and having an inclusive participatory democratic conversation to make a decision, there is a, there's an outcome that is, it is actually created within structure of what we are focusing on and what are we driving towards, um, which starts to help curtail some of that concern around analysis paralysis and 
managing by committee and being in endless meetings. All right. So you're talking about like making sure that certain processes and, and are put into place and certain decisions are already made in order to frame or shorten the decision making process when it comes to a, de a democratic uh, moment. Yeah, I think that's one of the concepts that I think, you know, Mako kind of hit on that, which is, you know, thanks for your question, uh, Chris, which is making sure that we we create enough structure that there's, you know, there's strong facilitation in the discussions that we have a clear outcome that we're driving towards, i.e. we're going into a meeting, we need to make sure we come out with a decision on these areas. And we're facilitating a conversation such that we are successful in driving towards that decision. Um, that I think is the important part and, and it's interesting as we unpack it, when we think about that structure, you know, creating a focus and saying, here is what we need to make a decision on. Now let's, let's move forward in this conversation, include the voices, include the perspectives, even if there's disagreements, work through those, but we have to get to a consensus. We have to make a decision at the end of this versus it just becoming, again, a free-for-all, stream of consciousness, everyone's just debating, and there's no clear outcome, and there's no facilitation. That's when I think this, this style falls over and becomes really ineffective. Uh, another thing, Kelly, that you mentioned uh, a little bit ago, I mean, is come prepared to the meeting. Many times I have seen that we are failing on this style because people, they don't know what's really happening in a meeting. And there is no agenda. There is no nothing preparing there for what is going to be talked about. So, I mean, if people can prepare, I mean, it's going to make things a lot easier in this type of leadership as well. Yeah, it's a great point. And when, in the recap, I will include some of the articles that have been written around even the, the Amazon style for meetings. We've talked about that before in, in past forums. But, you know, when we talk about prepping for a meeting and setting clear objectives and agendas, I think, uh, Amazon's always a really great example of that and, and what they do to ensure that it's, you know, really a valuable use of everyone's time. Um, and I think that's really important for this specific style. Um, with that, we're in our last couple minutes. Happy to open the floor to any any last thoughts. Um, again, this is something that we're going to be talking about leadership styles, a different leadership style every week. There's kind of six primaries that we're going through for leadership styles. And so this is going to be kind of a continued theme for us to dig into. But hopefully at the end of it, um, maybe we'll challenge the group to actually talk about their own leadership style based on the entire conversation. And what is your leadership style as you've now learned about all of these and the way they're described, the way they're defined, the way they're used, the way they shouldn't be used, um, and be able to kind of have a discussion around each one of our leadership styles and how to align on that and communicate that, but also flex given different situations. Or we could talk about coffee. That we we have to create a mm -hmm. coffee hour for that makeup. That would be a different session. Different forum. <laughs> All right. Disappointed. <laughs> well, we can start with coffee. <laughs> Okay, and um, and and Chris, I appreciated your your question as well because I think it, it it is really important that you not necessarily go in with the decision of what you what you want to accomplish when you go into these into some type of a democratic session, but rather that you are very crystal clear about what the objectives are, what you're trying to, what the group is there to to solve and to have some parameters as, as um, Mako said about guardrails so that you keep the team focused and that you can ultimately move through as rapidly as possible to decision-making. And I would also say that the leader ultimately has the final decision or approval. Okay, so with that, we are at the 1030 mark. Again, a reminder, we come back, we are here every Saturday from 930 to 1030 Pacific Standard Time. Encourage you to come back next week, as well as invite, other, invite others that may benefit from these discussions, this, this clubhouse. And also, um, if you would take a moment to share our clubhouse so that others can, can, can know about us. We would appreciate that. And again, listen to our recaps and our audio replay if you, or share it with others if you'd like. So with that, uh, can I, I have I'm a, sorry, Tamara, can I request a ping for next week? I would love to join on oh. time next week and be able to uh, partake in the whole conversation. 
Yeah, thank you, Chris, for asking that. We are going to be talking about commanding leadership next week. So um, folks can go out there and research that a little bit to prepare for the discussion. And um, the quote I have for this week is, I have two. Um, one is, honest disagreement is a good sign of progress, which is by Gandhi. And the other one is, don't take on things you don't believe in or and that you yourself are not good at. Learn to say no. Effective leaders match the objective needs of their company with the subjective competencies. And as a result, they get enormous amount of things done fast. And that's by Peter Drucker, the father of management. So with that, everyone go out and have a restorative weekend, and we'll see you back next week. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you.